Hello and welcome to Bo- Hello and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. We will hear a quick disclaimer and then we'll come right back and we'll just jump right into the show. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241. Or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. Again, my name is Rachel Meiselman. And as always, there, <laughs> there's so much to just unpack. Uh, so I always like to jump right on in. I on the la- I've been talking on the last few shows about the exceptional nastiness of the political climate. And I explained last week to uh, listeners who might be a little bit newer that I have been doing social political commentary actually for quite a long time, for about, it's hard to believe, about 13 years. And I started, I shouldn't say I started out doing social commentary. It's always been social and political. And as I explained last week, the reason for that is whatever's going on socially, whatever the social climate is, that is going to translate politically sooner or later. And so we see that. Um, And it's even how people interact with each other. And so we see candidates interacting with each other in ways that are quite frankly unacceptable. Or we see people who are self-styled activists. And the things that they say or the things that they think they can say is just simply, quite frankly, beyond the pale. And I do think that this is an issue that bears several shows. I mean, obviously, it's, it's an ongoing issue, right? But I think that it's one that needs to be there needs to be uh, some shows that are kind of slotted where, okay, we're going to focus in particular on that. And so that's what's been going on for the last few weeks. And I think it's important because there's a lot of people out there. And again, I think that people are under this illusion that they can just simply do and say what they want, um, there's a a staggering sense of entitlement. Uh, There's that too. And so I started, well, I I ended the show uh, by talking about the bigotry that has become pervasive, that has become acceptable in the political arena. And I think that that's politically um, dangerous Uh, just generally dangerous because when you have people who are supposed to be public servants and they hold prejudice that is so great and that is so obvious, uh, 
that really anyone relatively objective can see, it's it's concerning because that person obviously then isn't fit for the job. And his or her, should that person actually get elected, his or her constituency loses out greatly. Now, I do want to talk about uh, anti-Semitism. I do want to talk about uh, Diana Ploss. I want to talk about her uh, much more. (laughs) Um, But I also want to talk about double standards because we have a lot of double standards that I'm not happy about. Uh, We also have people who tend to be well, I think this is most people, and unfortunately, uh, we find a lot of them make their way into the political arena. They're very, very much reactive instead of proactive. And there needs to be a seismic shift uh, because that's just, that's not benefiting us in any way. So so let's talk about the anti-Semitism. People maybe want to debate whether denying the Holocaust is anti-Semitic. They might want to talk about free speech. They may want to trot out, well, you'll see who rules over you by who you can't talk about, you know, a, a variation on that. I quite frankly don't want to hear any of that uh, baloney. It, it's 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 absolute nasty nonsense, and it's just I I don't even feel at this stage in my life I don't feel like I have to even entertain uh, such unbelievable ignorance. Uh, denying the Holocaust is is absolutely a form of anti-Semitism. And so I bring up Holocaust denial because that's what Diana Ploss has been engaged in. And her running mate, uh, Jim Rizzoli, he has been as well. And so she has a show and she regularly, she, she uh, does a regular show. And I, I, think she, I think she probably has a studio in her, in her house and she... Um, has a, a, a rumble, I guess rumble, R-U-M-B-L-E. Uh, she has a station on that platform, and so her show will uh, often, uh, generally airs there, and she does she does Facebook Lives, and then maybe what she does is just shares the link uh, to rumble. Uh, but she's just, she's just very much a hateful person. And I said, you know, Diana her running mate, I guess uh, she has announced that she's not going to actually run, that she has stopped collecting signatures. And quite honestly, she probably didn't even start. Diana, I don't know really what she does for a living. She she says that she's self-employed. But I, I would I would imagine that you know, as as long as she's been or she had been running I imagine that she would have had time, time enough to collect signatures had she actually been serious about running. Uh, I don't really (laughs) um, know what she was going to do if she had made the ballot. 
Um, but anyway, uh, she, I guess, announced on a show uh, one episode that I missed that she had stopped collecting signatures. Uh, but she's still, uh, she's still doing her show. She and Jim Rizzoli, that's the name, that's the name of uh, the, the, the person who was going to be her running mate. They're, you know, they're tag teaming <laughs> the Jewish people. And, you know, she'll literally uh, call him, you know, her Holocaust denier extraordinaire. And, and then sometimes they have a third person on, and that's their minister of hate. And she thinks she's being, I don't know if it's, hmm. I think it's, uh, I don't even think that she thinks she's being funny. I just think that she is just like, <laughs> so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And it's like, well, we're going to do plenty. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, initiatives need to be taken because, you know, we're, we're currently in a climate where throughout the country, throughout the world, uh, but certainly throughout the, uh, the United States, uh, Massachusetts actually has a, a, a big problem with anti-Semitism, which is uh, a horrible shame because it's a state where there is so much access to education. We have so many resources that there's no need for any kind of hatred. I mean, I hate to be negative, and I also don't want this to be seen as a, as an excuse for for hatred, any kind of hatred. Um, I don't know if we'll ever be able to stamp it out. I don't think that utopia is coming anytime soon. Having said that, we should still all collectively take it upon ourselves to, you know, just help each other out. If your neighbor is being, heaven forbid, verbally or physically accosted, that's your problem too. It's, it's never just them. That's always been my argument. It's never just them. And certainly... If you're talking about the Jewish people, my people, uh, it's never just the Jews. And, you know, sure enough, you know, listening to Diana, Diana Ploss and Jim Rizzoli, it's, it's really, it's difficult to listen to people who are uh, so filled with hatred, who... Um, are angry. I think Diana is more, it's anger, it's frustration. And again, there's no justification, there's no kind of excuse for Diana's ugliness. But I think, I still think for her, a lot of this is derivative of a deep-seated anger and uh, an even more profound uh, frustration, or maybe vice versa. 
Um, whereas Jim Rizzoli, it's he's very. I think that for him, his hatred of Jewish people, I think that that it comes from a place of conviction. I do, and it's it's alarming. Uh, he has been on the anti defamation leagues radar since maybe 2009 so they're aware of who he is and he actually uh, was doing I believe community access in Framingham and he would say some of these very hateful things that we can hear him say today um, along with Diana Ploss and when I say that initiatives are going to be taken you know I'll jump back to that they have to be because it's I don't know. It's kind of weird. I think that sometimes people think that when it comes to certain types of bigotry, that it's better just to ignore it. And I don't believe that. I think that hatred, whatever the form, it has to be confronted. It has to be confronted using all legal means necessary. Um, again, I think it's a collective effort. It's all hands on deck. I mean, if I'm talking specifically about anti-Semitism, I'm going to tell you because we Jews were in the minority, we alone cannot, I don't say, I don't, I don't want to say we can't defeat anti-Semitism. Uh, I, I always joke I joke uh, to friends, I say, oh, you know, Jews were, you know, the few, the proud, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I, I borrow the, what's it, the, the Marines uh, slogan. Um, I think that we are a remarkably resilient people, but I think that when there are efforts to other a group, and it could be Jewish you know the Jews, the Jew, uh, Jew, you know the Jews. Uh, it could be any group. When there's an effort, concerted effort to other uh, that group, uh, I I do think it's all hands on deck, and it's 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 so 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 very important to see people who aren't Jewish stand alongside us, and it it just it means the world. It does mean the world because I think that throughout our history, we as Jews, we've we've so often been othered. And I think that that, you know, the, the trauma of that trauma, um, it's passed from one generation to the next. But I think that the way in which we deal with the trauma, I do think it speaks to our resilience. So we will tell stories about it. We will make music to maybe celebrate a triumph over great adversity. We will maybe make a story, a film out of a, a particularly painful chapter, but we'll work through it in a way that gives something to others to to think, to contemplate. 
uh, depending on what medium it is or what what we're talking about, what's being offered. It could be even uh, something to enjoy. I mean, obviously, uh, if it's celebrating uh, a triumph. So I, I think it definitely it, it speaks to our resilience. But I think that a key to stopping anti-Semitism in its tracks right here and now, it has to be all hands on deck. And it's not just, again, not just with Jewish people. I, I, it's just with anybody. And, and, I, and I can't stress this enough. It's when people are being nasty and they're running for office or when, or when there's this hostile, toxic behavior that's being manifested by activists or any, any denizen of the political arena— it's it's important to to speak on that, speak out about that. It can't be left to 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 fester to or to fester, to grow. It can't be allowed to to develop into something. And so, you know, I want to uh, switch my focus to. Uh, you know, a, a lot of the protesters, a lot of the protesters, you know, some of the protesters, I, I would say some of them, um, definitely some of them that are quite frankly, I, I think the bloom is off the rose, so to speak, because I think initially people were like, oh, okay, wow. And I think that those people who were protesting Michelle Wu, Mayor Wu, I think a lot of people were like, yeah, right on, right on. Because I do think Michelle overstepped. I do think that Michelle tried to undercut the unions. I do think that Michelle showed very little regard for people, their their businesses, their livelihoods, uh, their peace of mind. You know, and I've I've already said on on on, on a number of shows that, that I just I don't really think that she's the right fit for this job. But you know, she is for the moment the mayor, and I'm I'm going to hope the best for the best because I want my city to succeed. So that extends to wanting Michelle to succeed, uh, notwithstanding my many grave concerns about uh, her agenda about uh, her experience and, and and how her experience, in my opinion, falls short of what is actually needed to do the job of mayor effectively. But to get back to the point, I think that people people were thrilled. I think a lot of people were actually like, woohoo, woo, woo, because there was this buildup. And I said from the beginning, I, I've nicknamed myself the Cassandra of Boston politics because I will make these predictions and no one listens to me. And a lot of them, 
are, are spot on. And it's not because I have this incredible <laughs> sixth sense, but it's just I really try to embed wherever I am. I try to really be there. I really try to be impre- present. So I embed myself in the environment. And I really value listening to people. Uh, and really, it's 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 much, much, much more profound than just uh, putting my finger on the pulse. I really want to know what people think and what are the catalysts for their behavior and and how several people, many people as a community, how that all looks, the dynamics, the various uh, microcosms, ecosystems, both were both words I think uh, can be used. So that that's that's where I'm at making <laughs> predictions, and I I saw that there were going to be issues because. I already knew, and I've shared this a number of times, I, I I knew how people were living. I knew how I was living. I was a teacher. I was a teacher for a great number of years in private language schools. And there were times I didn't know how many hours I would have from week to week. Imagine how difficult it is paying bills, being able to save money when you don't know what your salary is going to be from check to check, uh, and it that it's it's very difficult, and 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 it can wear on you. It really can. Um, I was a member of the gig economy. That's what it was for thirteen years, and it was tough, 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 tough. You know, and other people have uh, similar stories. Similar stories. Uh, I definitely think that. The gig economy has its benefits. I've been consistent in, in, in stating that and asserting that. But I think at the same time, there needs to be some protections. So no one's talking about basically expanding the 9-to-5 work model uh, with its inherent security uh, What? Um, you know, the, the inherent security of it, right, uh, of the paradigm of the model. Um, no one's, you know, no one's talking about that. I mean, I think it's good to have different work models coexist, right? I, I really do. But I, I do think that there needs to be um, some securities, some, some, some built-in securities. So uh, what I said was that Look, people are hurting. Now people are expected to stay home. If people are already behind the eight ball and they have to stay home, how long is it going to be before they go over the cliff? Because being able to work kept them from going over the cliff Although often it wasn't always easy to not go over the cliff, but 
it was it, it was it was actually a, a great uh, balancing act. But you know, scrambling, hustling, struggling—you it, know—it's it could it could be done. But people were really they were they were paralyzed. They were paralyzed by the political class, and there was so much emphasis on impeding, halting the the spread of, of the virus, which I could understand necessarily. And, and I'll take this opportunity to reiterate that I have always believed that there is a virus. Um, I don't know quite what it is, but I do think it's pretty darn nasty. And I think that it can hit people, different people, in different, in radically different ways. I've heard of people having, you know, just a bit of a cold. Other people, I've heard say things along the lines of, wow, I think I, I, that's what I had. I think I had that back in January. I, you know, this is when, you know, we first uh, were getting um, orders to stay at home uh, and only to go out if necessary. You know, I heard people saying things like, oh, yeah, I think I had that in January or, or, you know, just the first week in March. I just I've never felt sicker. And then, you know, of course, there there are people who, you know, didn't recover or mercifully, thankfully did recover. Um, but they they were pretty sick. And, you know, a member of my family um got the coronavirus it's it's it, it's nothing to joke about it's nothing to speculate about uh i do think that it, it exists i i do think that again there's something nasty out there but what i'm going to say also and i've been equally consistent about this is that it was poorly handled, very poorly handled. And I think that unfortunately, there were a lot of people who were very far removed from the business of being an actual public servant, yet who were public servants, who were taxed to helping us navigate this very difficult, uh, singular almost surreal chapter in in our lives. So there was not very much attention at all or thought given to our financial health because obviously, you know, if if you're struggling, I mean, it always cracks me up when I hear people talk about, oh, well, you know, the life expectancy of the people who live here or this group right there, uh, it's it's not very good. Well, if you're always struggling, if you are always wondering where your next meal is going to be, my goodness gracious, do you do you really think that that gives rise to a long, <laughs> stress-free life? I mean, use a little bit of common sense, please, <laughs> please. Um, there was not much uh, thought given to the the financial well-being 
and the mental well-being. Um, because again, fine, you know, if you're if you're hurting financially, that that can impact you mentally. And when you're struck mentally, when you're, you're struggling with mental health issues, that's going to manifest itself physically. I firmly believe that it's all interconnected. I really, truly do. I think that at the very least, even if a person doesn't have much, if a person still has a good, clean presence of mind, that can go a long way in helping a person be physically, relatively physically fit or well. But yeah, the certainly there was little thought about the whole picture. There was little thought given to the, the truth of the matter that it was a multidimensional crisis. And some of our public servants, air quotes, uh, didn't even really start addressing the issue until relatively late. And so, again, you, you take that and then consider what I had prefaced that bit with, that people were already teetering on the edge or trying not to go over the edge. So we have a perfect recipe for a disaster. And at the very least, people were, I mean, I think initially people tried to uh, take it, um, you know, maybe use humor. I think people try to be hopeful. Some people were scared, but I think some people try to be hopeful and, uh, you know, positive, uh, try to be upbeat. But after a while, when people saw the consequences of this remote legislating, this remote governing, and, and I'm speaking generally, it's it, Massachusetts, nationwide, were there some things good that uh, that took place? Of course there were, but I think that it was just a really tough time. And I think that I will always maintain that this is this was something that should have been looked at holistically, and it wasn't. And so enter people who are showing up at Mayor Wu's home, going right up to legislators and saying, hey, what's up? I think that that a lot of people <laughs> for for a bit were living vicariously through these people. They were like, yeah, yeah, as I was saying earlier, woo, woo, you know, like right on. This is, this is awesome. You go. But I think at this point in time, it's time to turn the cameras on some of these people. Do I think that some of these protesters have points? Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's some, you know, one or two in particular, I admire their courage. And I have said as much to them. Um, so it's pri I've said it, expressed this privately, but I've also made 
my views known publicly. But then there are others, and it's, it's, I just don't think they're very nice. And so obviously, you know, someone listening or several someones listening are like, well, that's just your opinion. You're right, it is. But I would give my opinion and I would give reasons why. It's not just about an expression of a gratuitous sentiment. It's it's rooted in what I've seen, what I don't like. Um, you know, like what I've seen and heard that I don't like. And so, you know, I've spoken on this show about Catherine Vitale. Um, I do believe she is still running for office. And as I said, she's running for the 7th Congressional District seat, which would put her against Ayanna Presley. And uh, she's running as an independent. And very soon, very, very soon, she's going to have to turn in signatures. So as far as I know, she is still running and she is still collecting signatures. Now, my problem with Catherine is that she's going to say different things at different times. And it's, it's you know, you take one subject and you hear what she has to say on it here and then you listen to what she has to say on it there and it's it's so diametrically opposed that it's just like okay you know this is ridiculous you're you're all over the place and and for you to have said this then and to say something else now it's well you come across as a liar and so you know, I've had a recent uh, conversation with her about Diana Plus, and I don't, you know, I don't want to do a she said, she said, uh, you know, on the radio or on the television, but I have spoken to her about Diana Plus, and I haven't liked the response. And I think that what I said to her is is what I'm going to say just generally, I think that it's normal, and I don't think it's necessarily unfair. I think it makes sense to judge someone or to look at someone in one way or another based on his or her associations. And so I know that Catherine has spent time, she has gone to protest because Diana Plus is also, you know, she's one of these protesters. So as far as I know, she never protested uh, Michelle Wu, but she's gone to other places to protest. And Catherine has been in her company. And it's like, well, hey, Catherine, you know, people are going to look at what Diana is saying. And, and, and by the way, again, I don't, I don't, um, I'm very careful with what I say because, I, I, you know, it's not about walking on eggshells or afraid of being canceled. Because if I were afraid of being canceled, well, my goodness gracious, uh, I wouldn't say three quarters 
of the things I say. And that's, that's being, um, that's, you know, that's being really, really conservative. Uh, I, I don't really care about being canceled. Um, but I, I do care about being respected. Um, and that doesn't necessarily involve being liked. Um, but I want people to think that, well, look, if she says something, she's not going to just shout into the abyss. You know, she's not going to just shout anything out into the universe. Uh, she's going to say something and it's going to be rooted in, in, in fact. You know, it, she's going to be able to bring, um, you know, put forth evidence. She's going to be able to bring receipts, <laughs> put more colloquially. Um, so, I mean, I have spoken with Catherine, and I, I just, I do, I think it's very important to, you know, look at who you're associating with. And especially, uh, I think that, I think it's important, but I think that it should be expected if you're running for office. And, you know, I, I just, I've had this conversation with Vitalia and, you know, other people. It's the anti-Semitism that Diana Plas has embraced. It's particularly dangerous because, as I, as I said earlier, the climate is such that we have seen a considerable and noticeable rise in anti-Semitic incidents. And when you have, so I earlier spoke about that frustration and anger that people feel about the pandemic and the way that it was handled on every level of government. When you have someone like Diana linking the Jewish people to what went wrong during the pandemic and the pandemic in general, it, that's, it's, it's just, it's grossly, grossly irresponsible. It's extremely dangerous. It certainly, in my opinion, amounts to a hate crime. Um, and, and, and it's, in my opinion, it's an incitement to violence. And, and by the way, I'm saying what I'm saying about Diana and what I'm saying about what she's embraced, it is it is possible to to verify all this. Uh, she's very open about it. Uh, and so if you were to look at her social media, um, that would <laughs> that would suffice uh, to to um, kind of, you know, say, say, okay, well, I, 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 you know, Rachel is, you know, she's not, um, just exaggerating. Uh, she's not being hyperbolic. Uh, she's, you know, she's, she's, um, highlighting, uh, she's trying to put the spotlight on a, on a gross, ugly problem. And of course, uh, some people might remember that Diana Plus even made international news when she lost her television show. And I think I mentioned this, um, um, because she had been doing one for a few years in New Hampshire. She lost that um, because of a, quite frankly, a racist tirade. Yes, I did mention this. I talked about this, a racist tirade. 
um, against some workers that were speaking Spanish, and she wanted to know why they couldn't speak English, and she was just very ugly. And it was just, it was a nasty incident that was caught, <laughs> was caught on camera. People always have their cameras. And, um, and you know, the 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 um the news station or the radio station uh, cut ties with her so you know i'm going to keep on talking about diana um because i think that as i said before i think that anti-semitism it's difficult for people i think to wrap their head around that jews can be the target of bigotry that they can be discriminated against because I think that we wrongly have in our heads that to be discriminated against is is, is possible or it only happens in contexts where the victim, the person on the receiving end of the discrimination is in a position that's historically been lower are marginalized. And I think that people assume that because there are a number of Jews that are visible, high profile, and different professions that are considered successful ones, I think that people don't see it as a problem. But it is. It is. So I would say that all hands need to be on deck. That this is this is a, a hatred, no less disturbing and alarming than any other, and people need to treat it as such. And I would say also that people need to stop talking about anti-Semitism and all the other kinds of bigotry. It's stop just if. We're talking about an incident that is anti-Semitic in nature. Then you talk about anti-Semitism. Rolling anti-Semitism into all the other isms, regardless of the incident or regardless of the context, I think that that does a great disservice to the victims of anti-Semitism. I think it, it's, it's extremely disrespectful, and I think that it's ineffective because, insofar in, in as, it, yes, it is extremely disrespectful, but if it's meant to stymie the growth of anti-Semitism, it's not, I mean, we have to, when you have an issue, just speaking broadly, generally, when you have an issue, you've got to speak to what that issue is very specifically, if you want to attack it and resolve it. And I think that that's particularly true when you're talking about hatred, when you're talking about bigotry. So... Definitely an ongoing issue. As I said, it's both very much personal and professional for me. Um, you know, Diana Plus is just one person. She happens to be on the political right, but there's certainly people on the political left that are no better. 
Those who are behind the mapping project, which I've spoken about as well, are just as ugly. Uh, and they're on the political left. Again, yes, absolutely. So, you know, we want to get caught up in the political right, political left. We still want to talk about Trump. We need to stop doing that. Hatred is hatred. Um, and certainly anti-Semitism is, is anti-Semitism. And when I listen to the anti-Semites on the right and when I listen to the anti-Semites on the left, I got to tell you, <laughs> I don't really hear a difference. So uh, we need to attack it wherever it is. I will say on a last quick note before we go to a little bit of a break and then we're going to come out and finish out the show. Uh, I still think that uh, Councillor Kendra Lara, uh, who has the district seat on the Boston City Council, I think she got off entirely too lightly. And I, I do think that she shouldn't she shouldn't be on the council because, again, at a time that I think is particularly volatile, I think what she said is, is very provocative. And people look up to her necessarily because she is a public figure, because she is a public servant. And I will tell people that being a member of the Boston City Council, that's not nothing. And I will continue to, to stress that these counselors make more than some governors. So it's, it's actually a big deal here in Boston to be a Boston City Councilor. So... It's, I mean, to have uh, a counselor talking about Zionists shaking you down, we just, it, we can't have that. We can't have that. But let's take a quick break. And like I said, when we come back, we're going to talk about more issues uh, in the political arena. Um, you know, it's, it'll be along the same lines, but we'll be uh, addressing really, I think, one of the other behaviors that allows such ugliness to grow. If you are struggling to afford internet service for your household, there is a new government program that may be able to help. It's called the Affordable Connectivity Program, and it provides up to a $30 monthly discount to qualifying households. Find more information about the program, including if you qualify and how to enroll at FCC.gov ACP or call toll-free at 877-384-2575. That's 877-384-2575. Are you wondering if your relationship is safe or if you have gone too far? Is your partner ever afraid of you? Are you worried a friend is hurting their partner but don't know what to do? The 10 to 10 helpline can help. We are here every day, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. We are confidential and anonymous and offer help to adults and teens across Massachusetts. Reach us at 877-898-3411 or you can visit us on Instagram or Facebook at helpline1010.org. Grassroots Baseball's mission is to promote and celebrate the amateur game around the globe with a focus on growing interest and participation at the youngest level. The overarching goal of Grassroots Baseball is to work to give back by providing inspiration, instruction, and equipment to help ensure more children have the opportunity to learn, play, and enjoy the game. 
To learn more about Grassroots Baseball, you can visit www.grassrootsbaseball.org. 이거는 내 버스탄 억양이에요. You hear that? This is my Boston accent. This is my Boston accent. Yeah, it is. This is our Boston accent. Hear it for yourself, discover your own. This is Boston, and we are all inclusive. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. This is Rachel Meiselman, and hey, this is my Boston accent. It's so funny because sometimes I speak, you don't hear a hint of a trace or trace of an accent. Other times it's like you can... Well, you couldn't cut it even if you had like a Gensu knife. It's kind of funny. Um, but I, I definitely have one. So, yeah, here is my Boston accent. You're listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. As a theme, I've taken the last few shows to talk about uh, the ugliness that has set in, that has installed itself in the political arena. And it's just, it's, it's a carryover from what's going on socially. Uh, I mentioned at the top of the show that a lot of people tend to be reactive instead of proactive. So let me tell you what that means. So um, there was a Puerto Rican parade. Um, it's held every year. I love it. It's great fun. Uh, so I marched in it uh, with, uh, with some people. And uh, it was just this past Sunday, and it was a great time. Sadly, unfortunately, uh, there was a man who plowed through a barricade at the parade and ended up striking several officers. Now, I heard that, and I was very, very angry. Uh, I was actually very, very disgusted. And, you know, of course, I mean, I knew that this person or that person would make a statement. And I kind of, well, I think it's important to make a statement. At the same time, I'm going to ask you, why don't you make a statement when things are going well? Why don't you make a statement when there's no instance of violence but you are concerned about the rhetoric that is employed by some that can give rise to violence against our police. I I have to say that I'm at a point that if we're talking about someone who wishes to hold office or who does hold office, and the person is anti-police, I you're you're not going to get my support. Not that the person ever would, but it's it's really I'm. It's it's more than I guess that the person wouldn't ever get my support or is not going to get my support. I'm going to if there is another candidate, viable candidate, I'm going to work uh, to help that person get elected. Or if the person already holds the seat, the office. Uh, I'm going to do what I can to make sure that that person uh, remains in office because, as I said, you know, it's it's not about 
saying that the police are perfect. And I have never not said that the police should be able to function, operate with no accountability and transparency in place. And and I don't know any police officer who has ever said that he or she wanted wanted that. So it's really bizarre to me to hear all these elected officials, particularly ones who don't operate with transparency accountability, uh, who don't believe that this transparency and accountability that they they claim that they want to see from the police, they they, <laughs> they don't somehow think that they themselves have to be held accountable and that they have to operate with transparency. It really, it does anger me at this point. We do, in my opinion, need to support the police. We have a great police department. We really, truly do. And the 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 mania, the the the, the manic behavior, this 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 anti-police sentiment arose from what happened on the other side of the country. People pounced on that opportunist. They propagated this 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 nasty sentiment, and without explaining how what happens in another part of the country in an isolated incident, or maybe a few instances, how that relates here, they've been allowed to get away with really causing a lot of harm. And it's, you know, you have Boston City Councilor Julia Mejia, who has been leading the charge. She's been one of the people who's been very anti-police on a municipal level. And quite frankly, I think she needs to be held accountable. She blocks her constituents. A lot of people have complained about it. I had to actually reach out to the ACLU, and that still didn't get Julia to unblock me. And it's, it's disgraceful. And so... Where I met, where I am, again, is that we need to work with the police. We need to recognize them for what they are, partners. And when I see people, like I remember there was a, a, a hearing that was helmed by... Um, uh, then uh, Boston City Councilor Tim McCarthy, great guy. And at the time, it was it was in 2019, I believe it was in September of 2019, and it was about protesters wearing masks. And the idea was that they shouldn't be able to because the idea was that people were deliberately using masks to hide their identity and then proceed to engage in behavior that was dangerous or unsafe to others. And so I remember, I'll never, ever forget this, um, then Boston City Councilor Lydia Edwards just talking to an officer like, he was an idiot. And I got to tell you, the, we are so, and, and, and that was so offensive, by the way, because it's like, you know what, chick, 
I don't exactly think you're an intellectual powerhouse, so you might want to get down off your high horse. <laughs> so, I mean, I was, I was incensed. I went to school with three people who are now on the police force. They are incredible. They're great people. I've talked to so many different police officers, different ages, from different backgrounds, and they're so... They're so well-educated. They're so articulate. They're so knowledgeable. And we just, we don't wait until an act of violence occurs, like the one that I described uh, at the Puerto Rican Day Parade. Uh, we we cons- consistently talk about what we need to do to support the police and why they deserve our support. So let's be more proactive than reactive. So that's all, unfortunately, I have time for today. I'll also be talking about that more. You can count on that. Uh, But thank you so much for listening and hanging out. And, of course, I look forward to chatting with you next week. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.